Pay Online family, welcome. We're in a series called Acting Up. And hey, our hope in this series is to kind of journey through the book of Acts and to look at it, not to play copycat, uh, but to really look at it as a foundation that we can leap off of and see what it looks like for God to move in our everyday lives. We hope you get a lot out of it. God bless you. See ya. Yeah, right, right. It's good. So acting up, that's where we're at. We're still, you know, I, I, you know, when we do a series, we usually only go for about four weeks, six weeks. But this has been just like going through church, the early church, and just seeing so many different things. And it, it's, there's enough uh, new stuff that's coming that I feel like we just are staying with it. And, and, you know, really, it's a pattern of who, who we are endeavoring to be and see God move in us and through us. You know, I've seen things as we've gone through the book of Acts that, you know, the early church, you know, they gave a, a high place for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Not just in church services, but in their everyday life. You know, that's something we encourage and, and we strive to do, too. That's part of what love stories is. It's God showing up in our life every day. Not just in church, but but out on the regular, you know, out there in 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 the nitty gritty, you know, uh, you know, he just shows up. He does things, you know. Sometimes they're just so so uh, random that we can overlook them. But it's, hey, well, we need to be great. We need to become develop the skill of acknowledging him everywhere we go. You know, we get we get the right parking place. Why not give him the glory, huh? Oh, that's just coincidence. That just happened that way. Hey, you know, you might live by coincidence, but I live by God. I live by him opening doors, you know, giving me favor where I go, you know, you know, get rising to the top in every situation, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. And he's that way in you. He's that way in you. I'm telling you, Man, I tell you, it just gets bigger and bigger. It's like a, it's like a snowball thing, you know. It starts little, and you kind of roll down the hill. You know, you've seen that on cartoons and things, and it gets to the bottom, and it's just this huge thing. God wants to do in our life. That's how He wants to be bigger and bigger. Glory to God. So, um, yeah, we've looked at other things too. We've seen the power of the name of Jesus. We've seen healings. We've seen miracles. We've seen that everywhere the early church was going, they were looking for opportunities to express God. And, and many times this happened in, in, in church synagogues, you know, and places in towns uh, where they would, they would always boldly proclaim the gospel of grace. You know, and last time, you know, we talked a little about that, that, that in Acts 15, there was this whole controversy, you know, of, of adding the law onto grace, you know, you know, are people, are we human beings just like that? We always want to do, add a little more, you know, maybe if I can do this, you know, but you know what? The, the cool thing is it's just clean. The gospel is clean. It's nothing about me. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. So, so we're into Acts 16, and I'm not going to read the whole thing to you this morning, but basically Paul sets out on another missionary journey, and he adds Timothy to his team. 
And Timothy becomes a real prominent figure in, in Paul's ministry, and, and uh, this is where it happens. And, and the, the thing I found interesting was in verse 3 of Acts 16, is that as they're going out on this journey, this missionary journey, the first thing Paul does is has Timothy circumcised. And I think how, how funny that is, that coming off of chapter 15, where the whole topic was, hey, you don't have to be circumcised to be a Christian, and you come into chapter 16, and they're going off in this Missionary, da, 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 missionary journey, and so Paul says, well, let's get you circumcised. And But I thought about it, and this is the thing, is chapter 15 was not about to circumcise or not circumcise. The chapter 15 was all about, we're not going to add the law to the gospel. We're not going to add some prerequisite that we need to follow in order to be saved. It wasn't about, you know, should I be circumcised or not? It was about do I put my faith in anything but Jesus? And that's what it's about. Frankly, it doesn't matter. Circumcised, not circumcised. That isn't any, hasn't got anything to do with salvation. But what they did is they had him circumcised. It says in verse 3, uh, because of the Jews who were in that region. For they knew that, that Timothy's father was a Greek. And so what they were doing is they were saying, listen, if it's going to open the door for these people to receive the gospel, we'll go ahead and do this. Okay, you know, that's a good way to, to look at life, you know. You know, sometimes because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something or vice versa, you know. But what we should have is hearts that are looking out for other people and finding every avenue we can to get the gospel out to them. Um, so... <laughs> I'm not going to go any further on that one. We could, we could really go some places, couldn't we? But uh, uh, I'm going to move on here. The, the, the other things that happen here, there's, I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you this, that in the next three weeks, I, I, I have kind of an outline of where I want to go. And frankly, I'm going to jump between Acts 16, uh, 17, 18, and 19. And, and uh, we might not do them exactly in order, kind of are today. But I'm just going to warn you on that. And so in the next three weeks, you know, we're going to talk about something today, about bringing God into, you know, our life in every area. And then next week, we're going to talk about the authority of the believer, okay? And the week after that, we're going to talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So we're just, I'm laying it out right now how I'm seeing it. That the next three weeks, that's where we're going. And it's going to kind of jump between Acts 16 and Acts 19. But I'm, I'm giving myself liberty to go back and forth a little bit. Because there's some things I see here in this chapter. They're going to come up in a later time. And I'm not going to spend as much time on them now. But right now, and you know, frankly, we might pull this into the fourth week even. There might be some things in this chapter that I pull out. But the Macedonian call, they, you know, the Holy Spirit forbid them to preach the word in Asia and and called them to, you know, basically Paul had a dream. Isn't that how it went down? You had a vision in the night. If that was me, it would have been a dream, but Paul might have been awake, and he had a vision. And uh, a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him and said, come over here to Macedonia and help us. And after he'd seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, you know, does that mean that they weren't, you know, the people of Asia weren't called by God or weren't, God wasn't, didn't love them? No, it didn't mean that at all. But for whatever, and I don't know if we absolutely know the reason that they didn't 
Paul wasn't supposed to go to Asia at that time. I know when we felt the call to start a church, you know, Dana and I, that's the first thing we knew is God was calling us to go start a church. We're associate pastors of a church in Minneapolis, had been there for 12 years, and, and uh, we, we, we quit our positions and uh, really didn't know where we were going. It was really hard to go to church, you know, after they knew we'd quit because they said, where are you going to go? I was like, we're following God, you know? Oh, yeah. You know, I'd have pat answers because I didn't want to get into it because, frankly, it was something going on in Dana and I. Our hearts were going, oh, where are we going? <laughs> you know, we've quit. We've resigned. And, and now we're, we're going somewhere. We're going somewhere, I'll tell you that. But we didn't know where. So I, I sent, you know, resumes out. We, we looked all over the country. You know, I called Rama. that's where I was ordained. I said, you got some churches that need a pastor. Sent me a big list of, of churches, you know. It was, it was pretty pretty good size. And we, we looked at them and, and uh, kind of prayed about it. We, we found a few that we, we thought, well, we'll check that out. We even, we even looked at a church in Canada. Can you believe that? And I learned how to speak Canadian and everything. And, 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 and you know, A, you know. Is that good? Uh, but, but, you know, we prayed about it. We prayed about it. And, and uh, it was by God's direction. He said, you're supposed to go to Menominee. Go to Menominee. It wasn't that those other places weren't cool. I'm sure God had other people that went there. But he didn't call us to go over to Montana or, or to uh, Arizona. You know, we kind of pushed him a little bit on the Arizona. We thought it would be nice and warm. We said, come on. I kind of maybe Texas, Texas, God. We said, but he said to us very clearly, Menominee, and I know it was clearly God because I I didn't even know how to say Menominee, you know. And Dana had to say it when she was praying in tongues, and and uh, then we said, oh, Menominee. I said, I think that's a town, and we came here, and and it was the the will of God. So Paul had had a similar thing. He says, go to Macedonia. Um, and that's where they set their sights on. That's what we did. When we knew it was Menominee, psh, man, that was it. We just said, hey, we're coming to Menominee. Then there's a, a lady named Lydia who gets baptized and, you know, who's, who's generous, opens her home up to them. And I think it's cool that baptism is a, a continual thread through the book of Acts. And, um, and then we come to this incident where there's this, this slave girl who is, I'll just tell it my way, she's a soothsayer, she tells fortunes, and she follows Paul around and Silas around for, for like three days, you know, and she says this thing, these men are servants of the Most High God, and, and, and I, I, I can imagine this, because I, I've had situations like it where, where demonic stuff's going on, and it just kind of cringes you inside, you just go, ugh. You can almost get angry, not at the person, but you get, you know, it just makes you go, ugh. And, you know, Paul took, you know, after three days, the Holy Spirit directed Paul, and he, he cast the devil out of this girl. And it was a good thing, except for the, the girl's masters then had lost their, their, their income through her because they charged money for her to tell people's fortunes. And, and they caused a stir, and this is going to bring us to where we're going today, is that they took him and they threw Paul and Silas into to jail. And in verse 23 of Acts 16, it says that they laid many stripes on them. Let me be very clear. It means they beat them. It means that they whipped them and it left stripes on their backs. They threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. And having received such a charge, 
He put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So this was not a pleasant situation. You know, I've read some of the, the history of it, and these weren't like stocks even like you see on, you know, Don Knotts Western movies or something. You know, these, weren't, these were like stocks that were actually, they actually hurt the way they stretched the body and everything. But, but so it was a very uncomfortable place they were put into in the inner prison. And, and in verse 25, it picks up and it says this, that at midnight, can you say at midnight? See, I believe this was probably, you know, the time of day, but it's also kind of goes along with sometime, it's the midnight time of people's lives. It's the dark time of people's lives. I would imagine this to be a very oppressing period of time for them, not, not a great day. You ever have a good day? Do you ever have a bad day? This is probably a bad day, you know, I would guess, you know, at this point. And, and, uh, and so at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So, so I think that's kind of cool. They were singing and praying. Uh, I like it that they weren't complaining. Isn't that a good thing? I mean, I, honestly, I, I hope I would be like that. You know, you never know till you're in a situation, you might say, but, but that's what I'd want to be doing. You know, they weren't complaining. They weren't, they weren't turning their back on God. Sometimes that happens when people, people, could you imagine the mindset that could be there? Man, I've served you, Lord. I've, I've gone and I've preached. I've left everything. I've left my home to follow you. And here I am being beat, whipped in stocks in the innermost prison. What kind of gratitude, you know, what, how can I even have gratitude here? It's, what, what's going on, Lord? You know, you'd be asking all kinds of questions. But no, they were praying. And singing hymns, singing hymns, singing songs. That, is, that does not mean they carried a hymnal with them. They whipped it out of the pack. Oh, let's see. Let Silas, turn over to page 63. Start at the beginning. No, it wasn't like that. It just meant that they were singing, they were praying, and they were expressing glory to God. They were worshiping God, you know. Uh, what I love about this, too, is... You can do this stuff outside of church. Yeah. Huh. You hear that? You can do this stuff outside. You know, you don't have to have the full band playing, you know, on key and everything going right. All the, the lights are just right. I mean, Paul, you know, it says here in Acts 16, you know, 22, well, the lights were just set at a perfect place and the music was perfect. There was no feedback going on. Everybody was on key. And all of a sudden, all the prisoners are tuning in. They're listening to it as well. And. Now, God's looking at your heart. God's looking at your heart. And, and let me read on and just, just tell you what happened here. In case you don't know, it says, Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And I love that about God, as he gets right down to the foundations in our life. It says, Immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison uh, awoke from sleep, Seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. You see, there had been such a charge put on the, the jailkeeper that he, these men were in his charge. And to be found, you know, letting them escape, it would have been, in his mind for sure, worse than death. They would have done, you know, terrible things to him. So he was ready to kill himself. And uh, Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm. And, and he says, we're all here. 
And, and the fact that the other prisoners were all there too, you know, it just shows me that they were all in awe of something totally supernatural going on. This was not an ordinary earthquake. This was a shaking of God, okay? Um, I'll just go here. Frankly, you know, earthquakes that, you know, are disastrous in, in the world, you know, I don't attribute that to God, okay? God isn't shaking up San Francisco and trying to kill everybody there. That's not what God's doing. This actual earthquake that God, you know, had here in Acts 16 doesn't say that anybody died. It says everybody lived. In fact, God, the earthquakes that God brings not only bring life, but they bring freedom. They raise you to a place that's higher than you were before. And, and so this jailer, you know, was in fear and, and panic, and rightly so. And he called for a light, and he ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, it was evident it was a work of God. And this is where he says, Believe on the Lord, Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved, and you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. I, I love that. God's concerned about your family. Yes. Now, it's not an automatic if you're saved that everybody in your home is already saved now too. Well, I got saved, so the whole family saved. No, it's not like that. Everybody has a decision to make. But I'm telling you what, if, if you get saved, you're a tremendous influence in your family. I'll tell you, word spread when I got saved in my family. They got on the hotline and they said, whoa. Paul got saved, you know, you know, I mean, it was big news, you know, when my, my, my older brother got saved, it was, it was big news, like, whoa, man, he got saved, he was, well, how, I always forget, was he 50, 50 years old, he got saved, and, you know, he grew up in the same household I did, he'd seen the same things I did, but it was, he was 50 years old, and he got saved, I'll tell you that, I, the reason I tell you that is don't give up on your kids, don't give up on them. So the same hour, uh, he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately he and his family were all baptized. There you go again. They're, they continue the whole flow. Uh, and when he brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, uh, having believed in God with all his household. What I want to say this morning, I, I have a very simple message that we're going to get to. I'm not going to complicate it, you know, a whole lot, <laughs> a whole lot. But anyway, is God wants to break you out of any kind of box that you're in. Do you hear me? You know, Paul and Silas were imprisoned. You know, we read a little bit. The Bible tells us some detail of the kind of situation they were in. And God came into that place and he shook it. He shook it. He broke the chains. He, he, he delivered them from the pit. He set them free from what seemed like an impossible situation. Have you ever faced impossible situations in your life? Have you ever, maybe you're not in a, a prison today, you know, you know, but, uh, but maybe there's another kind of prison that you've been in. Maybe it's a financial prison. Maybe it's a prison of, of oppression. Maybe it's a prison of offense. Maybe it's a prison of some kind of a health issue that you're facing in life. What I'm telling you this morning is that God is a master at shaking the foundations of these things and bringing you to a place of freedom, rising up in your life and bringing you to a higher place. I'll tell you what, there's no box. There's no box that can contain you in the power of God that's within you. Um, now, I'm going to just for a moment touch on this, and that is this, that there is tremendous power 
in praise and in worship. You know, and, and I'm not going to go to all the places in the Bible. I, I, I don't know if I know all the places. Probably have read them at some point. But, but I know there's a number of places where, where the people of God just set themselves to worship him. And God delivered them. God set them free. There's tremendous power in worship. I'll read you this in, in Psalm 8.2. It says this, that out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you've ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. In Matthew 21, 16, when Jesus quoted this psalm, he says, do you hear what they're saying? And Jesus said to them, have you never read that out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you perfected praise? So what Jesus said is that, that he called it praise. And in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, it says that this kind of stuff, it silences the enemy and the avenger. Praise shuts the devil up, okay? Praise stops the mouth of the, of the lion. You know, we'd call the devil walking around looking who he might devour. Worship will cut him off at the pass. Worship completes our connection with God. And that's really where I want to go this morning. Is this, it, it isn't a matter of, of just robotically whipping out a hymnal and singing some song when you're in trouble and thinking, well, everything's going to be fine. But what it is, is, is getting our hearts in connection with God. What it is, is it's bringing God into the hard places in our lives. You see, sometimes we, you know, even in love church, this could happen. I'll tell you, even if you're a pastor, this could happen. You could get to the point where God lives in church, and you then, then you go do your life outside of church. That is disastrous. That is a recipe for living life on a low level, lower than God intends you to live. God wants you to bring him into every place in your life and let him do what he does best. Bring freedom. Bring freedom. See, sometimes we can be like cats. You know, uh, I didn't grow up with cats, but when I married Dana, it took a couple years, but we eventually became cat people, you know, because Dana loves cats, loves kitties, and started in a shopping mall looking in a pet store, and she pointed out how cute these little guys were, and, and, I, and I had to say, yeah, that is cute, you know, and before I knew it, we were you know, not at the pet store, but we ended up getting a cat. And, and, you know, they became part of the family, just kind of a fixture. What a cat does, though, is when they're hurt or scared, you know, our cat right now is afraid of me. Because she was, she was going through something a couple weeks ago, and I took this medicine, and she wouldn't lick it off my finger. I thought it would be really good. It was be, be tasty. It was supposed to taste good and everything. And she wouldn't take it. So I took her and I opened her mouth and went and wiped it right on the roof of her mouth. I mean, I wouldn't let Dana do it because I didn't want the cat mad at her. She still is running from me right now. She sees me coming and she thinks, oh, here he comes. He's going to whoop that stuff on the roof of my mouth again. Oh, no. When cats get in trouble, though, they run and hide. They run and hide. When company comes, they run under the bed or under the couch, and they don't come out because they don't want, they don't want, this is true, isn't it, Betty? You're a cat person, I know. And, and, and it's, it's, but we don't want to, you know, as good as cats are. And I, I, I dig them. I like our cat. 
you know, grows on me. But, but, but we don't want to imitate that behavior. We don't want to cubby off our life from God. We want to bring him into even the hard places, even the places that might seem to be embarrassing. He wants to get in there and bring freedom and break us out of the boxes that have been erected around us. All right, let me read you something here. Um, Romans 4.19 is a good one here. This is, this is a story of Abraham. You guys know the story of Abraham? You know, he had a covenant with God. God had told him, hey, I'm going to multiply your seed. And at the time, Abraham didn't have any kids. And, and, and God looked at him. God doesn't look at where you're at. He looks at where he's bringing you. And sometimes it can get confusing, like, who are you talking about, God? I'm multiplying my seed. I don't have any kids. But God sees where you're going in life and, and what he's, he's there to enable you to do. And it says that in Romans 4.19, just picking up here, the whole chapter is talking about Abraham and, and him, him uh, or most of the chapter. But in 19, it says, in being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes my body will talk to me. Does your body ever talk to you? Sometimes I'm praying, you know, and I'm believing God for healing, and, and I'm saying, Lord, I believe I receive my healing, and, and the word says I'm healed, says it by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. And, and God's word is true, but, but it doesn't seem like healing's working inside me or it doesn't look like it's manifest in my body. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. See, my body, sometimes, you know, I like my body and everything, but, but sometimes it lies to me. It, it doesn't know to tell me the truth. It has its own version of the truth, and it communicates it to me. It tries to tell me things that, that I don't in my heart believe are true, and God doesn't say are true, but it, it tries to come and persuade me a certain way. I would guess Abraham's body did some talking to him. I bet his body did some talking like, what, are you crazy, old man? You're an old man. You're past the age. You didn't have kids all these other years. You think you're going to have kids now? Don't you think? You think, think it might have? Uh, if his body's anything like mine, that's what it have been saying. My body, you know, it, it's funny the thing it latches onto. It knows all kinds of things, but it can be slow to learn the Word of God. It knows every treat in the house, but it doesn't know every promise in the Bible. Oh, 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 oh. Preach it, preach it, preach it. Verse 20, it says, He didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Worshiping God, giving glory to God, it'll strengthen you right where you're at. It'll lift you up in life. And again, this I'm not just talking about, I, I, and I'm not knocking what we do on Sunday mornings in no way, shape, or form. I love what goes on here. I think we need what goes on here to propel us into the week, into our times alone. And I can't, you know, I tell you this all the time. Usually, you know, I'll wake up on Tuesday morning and there's a song in my head. I don't know where it came from. I'm, I'm totally baffled by it. And I start letting it go in my head and play in my head. And then I realize all of a sudden it's songs we sang on Sunday. 
Man, when they come to you, let them play. Put them on repeat. Play them over and over because they'll give you strength through the day. They'll complete that connection with God. They'll bring you into a place of his presence and his power on the daily. So, um, did I read all this? Being fully, He was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what he would promised he was able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. See, nobody can praise God for you. Nobody can make that connection with God for you. You've got to do it yourself. You know, I, I, I looking at the pictures up on the screen this morning of the love stories. And, and uh, I, I know every one of those people, and I rejoice with them at what God's doing in their lives. But I can tell you, you see the victory... And, and sometimes we can forget that there was a battle to get to that victory. And that's kind of what I'm talking about this morning. Is there's, there's a road we take to get there. You know, you could look at it and look at Harold, you know. Praise God, don't you love Harold? How could you not love Harold? I mean, you know, he's just so cool. I've known him for years. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I've known of what he was going through most of the time through this thing. And there, were, there was challenges he got to the point where he's sitting up there in the picture going zero, meaning zero cancer. There was, there was challenges along the way where he had to press into God. He had to get on, you know, his connection and say, all right, I'm bringing him into the nitty-gritty here. I'm bringing him into the dark place I'm facing right now. I'm bringing him in to get these chains broken in my life. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. This is probably the most important scripture I give you this morning. But it says this, it says, no temptation has overtaken you. Say, no temptation. no temptation. No temptation has overtaken you except which is common to man. Let me just say this, what you are going through today, you're not the only one, okay? The devil likes to tell people this, this phrase, that he'll go, nobody has ever gone through what you're going through right now. You, what you have, what you got here, you got yourself a special temptation. Nobody's done this before, ever, 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 ever. And it's somehow, the, the message in is, is it's beyond what Jesus did for you. Don't believe that. Temptations that, we're, that every one of us face, they're common to man. You know, they, they have their own flavor with each of us, but they're common to man. And here's the most important thing in the verse. God is faithful. Say that. Say, God's faithful says he'll not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with, with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, that verse doesn't say that God brings the temptation. It says that in the midst of temptation, he's faithful. And in the midst of temptation, as you press into God, he will show you the way of escape. That's if there's a formula, that's it. What's the formula? Get a hold of God. Get connected with him and let him show you the step to take to get out of whatever it is you're in. You know, we get in trouble when we think, well, it happened. This is what happened. They sang songs. They worshiped God. The earth quaked. And the jail opened. That's how it'll be. Nope. No, the, the, the thing is this. You get into the presence of God. You get your connection strong with him. And you let him show you the step to take. 
That's the plan for success. We read this in closing, and then I'm going to have Pastor Stephen come up real quick. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. A very present help in trouble. Going through something today? Well, if you're not, enjoy life. But get ready, because there's life brings temptations. Life brings trials. Life brings temptations. What I'm saying this morning is this. Don't run from God. Run to him. He has answers for you to get out of the things that are coming your way. Hey church family, Gary here. We want to talk about some of the ways that you can give. One of the ways you can give is with the envelopes which are on the back of most of the chairs. Just grab an envelope, clearly print all the information on the back, and then drop it into the white boxes which are located near the doors in the sanctuary. Another way to give is with text messaging. So send a text message to 77977 saying, love giving, and then wait a second for the response Click the link, set the amount you want to give, whether it's a reoccurring gift, and then hit give. Another way to give is on the website. Go to www.wearelovechurch.com. Up at the top, you're going to see a word saying give. Click that. You'll see a button that says click here to give. So go ahead and click it. And then it's going to take you to a page asking you the amount, whether it's a one-time gift or reoccurring gift. Go ahead and hit next and then confirm. Another way you can give is with the Love Church app. You can download it from the iOS store or the Google Play store. Once it's installed, just open it up. You'll see a button that says Give. Tap that. Select the amount, whether it's a one-time gift or a reoccurring, and then hit Give.